This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. You are listening to Veggie Doctor Radio, and this is episode number 94. Hey, I'm your host, Dr. Yami. I'm a board-certified pediatrician, certified health and wellness coach, author, and speaker. I'm also a passionate promoter of the power of diet and lifestyle in preventing and reversing chronic disease and bringing joy and longevity into our lives. This podcast is focused on plant-based nutrition, habit formation, motivation, and mindset so that you can have the tools to live the best life possible. Are you ready to get started? Let's do this. You know, not to minimize the importance of getting your own health back because that'll make you a better fighter for the future. But uh, in addition, add to that bucket list. Well, I'm going to also do my part in saving the planet, not just myself. Happy, happy Sunday, veggie lovers. Thank you so much for joining me today on Veggie Doctor Radio. This is a very special episode. I know I say that every time because I kind of do feel like that. And I probably say every time that I'm super excited and it's because I am. I live in that state a lot of my life. So it's not necessarily a bad thing, but it might make me seem like I'm exaggerating a little bit about it, but I'm not. Today, you're going to hear an interview that I conducted with one of my all-time heroes in plant-based nutrition, Dr. John McDougall. Dr. McDougall doesn't really need an introduction. Hopefully you know who he is, but I will definitely introduce him in just a bit. If you haven't already signed up for my newsletter, please do so. Text the word FIBER, F-I-B-E-R, to 66866, or you can go to my website, dryami.com forward slash sign up, S-I-G-N-U-P. In addition, if you haven't already picked up a copy of my book that helps you learn how to feed your children without being so stressed out about it, helps you learn what you should focus on, how you can help children develop confidence in their bodies and in the way that they eat, how they make their food choices, feel confident around food in general, then this book will definitely help you and your family. A lot of moms have reviewed it and said that it actually helped them feel better about their own bodies. And that makes me so happy because that was definitely one of my intentions for writing this book that I wrote with pure love for you guys. I really hope that this book helps you, helps decrease your stress and anxiety, and makes your dinner table in your house just a more peaceful, protective place for your children. 
It's called A Parent's Guide to Intuitive Eating, How to Raise Kids Who Love to Eat Healthy. You can find it on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, all the major booksellers online. It's available in paperback, it's available in ebook, and it's available in audiobook. So if you don't want to sit down and read it because you have a lot of chores to do or you have long commutes, it's a little under seven hours in length, so it's not too bad. You can find that on Amazon or other major online audiobook sellers. So thank you so much. For those of you that have read it, if you can pop into Amazon and write a review, that would be great. And also for those of you that are loyal listeners of my podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review my podcast. I appreciate that so much. And it really, really does make a difference. So thank you for that. And thank you for tuning in every week to listen to these episodes. Well, like I said, Dr. John McDougall, he's one of the giants. He's one of the grandfathers of plant-based nutrition. He calls himself a starchivore, and he really emphasizes starch as one of the foundational ingredients to a long-lasting plant-based diet that is both satisfying and protective of chronic disease. So Dr. John McDougall is an MD. He is a board-certified internist author of 13 national best-selling books, the international online MacDougall newsletter, and the co-founder of the 10-day live-in MacDougall program in Santa Rosa, California. He is a clinical instructor for four schools training young physicians and licensed in five states in the U.S. to practice. Other MacDougall activities include seminars and health-oriented adventure vacations. Scientific results of the MacDougall program are published in the Nutrition Journal and in MS and Related Disorders. He has an amazing website. In fact, this is one of the first websites that I found when I started my own plant-based vegan journey, and it has so much information. Everything he provides He provides for free on his website, which is something I love about him. He has so many video testimonials. All of his newsletters are archived. Pretty much any topic you're curious about, you can find on his website. And his website is www.drmacdougall.com. And it's D-R-M-C-D-O-U-G-A-L-L.com. Absolutely, we'll provide all these links in both the podcast episode and also in the show notes for the podcast. The other thing I love about Dr. McDougall, and I talk about this in this episode, is that he is very accessible and he also just tells it like it is. Like he's not one of those people to like beat around the bush. He's like, this is what I believe, this is how it is. And I've gone to him. I really consider him one of my mentors because I've emailed him in the past. He's very responsive to his emails, drmacdougall at drmacdougall.com. And um, he's really helped me think through some things, questions I had about my family members, but also he's the one that was able to get into my dad's head about converting to a plant-based diet. So my dad wasn't fully convinced until I sent he and my mom 
to one of the Engine 2 retreats where Dr. McDougall was a guest lecturer. And he came back converted and living the oil-free plant-based lifestyle. So thank you. Thank you, Dr. McDougall. Now, you may know about Dr. McDougall, and you may have heard a lot of his lectures. Like I said, you can go to his website. You can find so much content. It's overwhelming. But in this episode, we're going to focus on climate change, which is not the most comfortable topic for a lot of people. There's a lot of people that still don't believe that it's a thing, or maybe they don't believe that they can make a difference, or uh, maybe the relationship between diet and climate change is just too much for them to really wrap their brains around, and they're just not willing to go there. So Dr. McDougall has become very, very passionate about this issue. And the reason I know this is because when I went to the American College of Lifestyle Medicine conference, he was being awarded um, like a Lifetime Achievement Award, and he asked permission to give a presentation there. And you can actually find the presentation on his website. And it really just impacted me because he was so passionate. He, you could just tell that from his very core, he really wanted to get this message across. And he really wants us, especially those of us that are in the plant-based movement, professionals, people that we can, we can spread the message about this. He really wants to get this across. So in this episode, like I said, he's going to be very passionate. He's going to be explaining why this is so important, the relationship. And I think that this is perfect for this series for this month of April, because April 22nd is Earth Day. I wanted to have a series on sustainability and climate change. So that is why I invited Dr. McDougall to talk specifically about this topic. You may have not ever heard him speaking about this before. So this is probably going to be new and refreshing to many. And I hope that you really enjoy it and you take it to heart and you pay attention to what he's saying. We're going to be referring to the presentation he gave. Like I said, you can find it on his website. I'll put the link in the episode, the podcast episode webpage on my website. And also we'll make sure that we link it in the show notes so that you can have access to that presentation. Thank you so much for joining us today. I hope that this is a very impactful episode for you and that you enjoy it, you share it, and have a plantastic Sunday. And I will catch you again next week. Dr. McDougall, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. You are one of my absolute heroes. Definitely one of my greatest influences in what I do. And probably you don't know that several years ago, I emailed you because I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. I was in traditional medical practice, but felt like I really couldn't talk to my patients about lifestyle, about diet change. And so I emailed you struggling with what to do. And you encouraged me to stay in pediatrics, Uh to stay in primary care. Right. And then I ended up starting my own practice. And now I have my own practice where I can combine both traditional medical care with enough time to talk to patients and families about their diets and their lifestyle habits. So I thank you so much for that influence. Well, I very much appreciate it. I, I of course, have my mentors to thank, as you well know. 
I learned this from uh, Dennis Burkett when I was a uh, senior medical student. I got my first introduction, my eyes were open. And he was a surgeon from um, Edinburgh, Scotland, who went to Uganda and served for 17 years as the head of ministries of health of Uganda. He oversaw uh, 10 million people for 17 wow. years, 1,000 hospitals. And he came to my medical school in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and he gave a noontime conference where he told me that during his 17 years, he saw one case of gallbladder disease, one heart attack, and a judge that trained in London and came back and had a heart attack. He saw no hemorrhoids, no varicose veins, no multiple sclerosis, no rheumatoid arthritis, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Of course, there are no overweight people, and they lived on a diet like you and I recommend, which is a diet mostly of starches. And of course, animal products are extremely rare. <clears throat> and uh, any other world is economically deprived as the people are in that part of, uh, of Africa. Wow. So anyway, he opened my eyes, and then uh, Nathan Pritikin, uh, far ahead of his time, uh, he gave me the confidence to believe in what I had learned mm-hmm. as an early practicing medical doctor when I worked on a sugar plantation on the Big Island of Hawaii. And so he was very instrumental in my life. And then I, I ran across Walter Kempner. And I mention these names because if you haven't already, you probably have, because I, I have their scientific papers up on my website. Uh, Walter Kempner was the uh, most important person at Duke University for at least two decades. Uh, his program was there for seven decades. It's the Rice Diet. And before I was even born, he knew that diabetes was not caused by sugar. Uh, he knew that heart disease was caused by the rich Western diet. Now, he knew all these things back before I was even born uh, and published uh, data that uh, not, not just rivals, but exceeds the benefits of any modern therapy when it comes to heart disease or kidney failure, et cetera. So I learned from him, and then I learned from Roy Swank, who was the uh, head of neurology at Oregon Health, Oregon <clears throat> Health and Science University, which is the medical school in Portland, which happens to be about two city blocks from here. And uh, Roy Swank, he, he was a neurologist, and for 23 years he treated people with multiple sclerosis with a low-fat diet. And he and I became friends. Actually, I have a legal agreement with him to continue his work. And uh, we published some research from Oregon Health and Science University in the neurology department, which really was, um, it was instrumental in uh, influencing people worldwide to discuss at neurologic conferences the importance of good diet. So, you know, it was, uh, it was a project. Didn't make everybody happy, but... Um, <clears throat> You know, we got some really, really good data. Uh, one of the more important things we got out of the study at Oregon Health and Science University was that the adherence rate was 85%. Mm. I mean, you can't get people to take statin drugs or blood pressure pills at that rate. So 85% of the people uh, maintain the diet that we taught them at my clinic in Santa Rosa, California. <clears throat> they maintained the diet for a year. And of course, that was the link to the study. At the end of the year, they lost on average 20 pounds, dropped their cholesterol 20 points. Uh, they uh, decreased their fatigue tremendously. Many, many, uh, many positive things happened. But unfortunately, the study wasn't long enough or big enough to prove the endpoints that I was looking for, which was that we could stop this disease. As Roy Swank told me over his uh, probably 50 years of experience taking care of people, with a healthy diet, you can stop multiple sclerosis by feeding people a low saturated fat diet, which is of course the diet I teach. 
So I'm glad that I've been a big influence on you. And, uh, you know, I'm, I've, uh, you're a member of the American College of Lifestyle Medicine, ACLM, and I was uh, one of the <clears throat> founding members of that organization. John Kelly, of course, deserves all the credit. But uh, <clears throat> we helped uh, get them financially started back in 2004. And uh, the American College of Lifestyle Medicine has now educated 3,500 doctors and uh, paramedical people. So, or at least attempting to educate them. So, you know, as a result of say, the things that I learned from my mentors, the things that have siphoned down through me, I've been able to influence uh, at least 3,500 people about diet being the primary cause of our common diseases and the cure. And I'm talking about, you know, 70, 80% of the people are cured of their chronic illnesses by changing back to the diet people are supposed to eat. Well, anyway, uh, having given proper credit to the people that uh, influenced me, uh, and you, you folks, I mean, you as a doctor and a pediatrician and the other members that I met uh, and have known over the decades at the ACLM conference, you folks know pretty much all the things I know about practicing medicine. If you don't, I've written it down or put it in free videos for you in uh, books and in newsletters and so on. So, uh, you know, I'm done with that, to tell you the truth. Uh, we have gotten phenomenal results, better than any other doctor, any place uh, that has used a traditional therapy. I mean, there are other doctors who treated people with the basis of diet before, I'm talking before, like thousands of years before, this is not new therapy. But uh, anyway, I've, uh, I have uh, Dr. Anthony Lim, who you may know, working, uh, taking care of our patients. And he's a really fine gentleman, a really bright doctor. And he has a, a, a kindness and a perspective to my clinic that I never could provide. So um, I have uh, you know, stopped seeing patients at the clinic, except under special occasions. If you need some extra help, I'm there. I'm still a fully licensed physician in California, Oregon, Florida, Hawaii, and Minnesota. <laughs> oh, Minnesota. <laughs> It's yeah. like everything sounded pretty good until Minnesota. <laughs> In the year 2000, I took care of the employees of Blue Cross Blue Shield. Oh, cool. In Eden, in Eden which is near St. Paul, uh, Minneapolis. And uh, we got, we showed in three years, we did three, year, three studies, three groups for Blue Cross Blue Shield. We showed that we could reduce their healthcare costs by 44% each year. We'll be almost exactly the same results based on their healthcare data. Well, from that, we went on and started taking care of people at Whole Foods Market, which we still do. And they have seen a tremendous reduction in their healthcare costs, not only because of the people, say 100, 150 people that come to our clinic and learn from us, but they go back and they show the results to their fellow employees and they talk to their fellow employees. So it spreads like a virus. Yeah. And Whole Foods is becoming a healthier company over. We've been caring for them for almost 10 years. And we're going on to other companies like CenturyLink, which is a, a big deal up here in the mm -hmm. Northwest. It's a telecommunication company. Uh, we've taken care of, for I believe the last four years, groups of their employees. And uh, they're doubling up on the number of programs they're doing with us. Because they have actually reported in Forbes magazine a 34% reduction in healthcare costs in the employees that attended the program. So this just makes money sense. Yeah. Anyway, I've done that. 
and it's time for me to move on. Well, and I, I got to witness you receiving the Lifetime Achievement Award at the American College of Lifestyle Medicine back in October. Congratulations. Well earned. Yeah. Your career has spanned almost 50 years. And for the <laughs> listeners that don't know about Dr. MacDougall, he is an incredibly prolific worker. I mean, you have helped so many people. You have a bazillion retreats and you have your center in Santa Rosa, 13 bestsellers. You have helped so many people. Your work has been so important, but you're taking a different direction now. And when I saw you give your presentation after you won that award at the ACLM conference, it was so moving and I was so touched and it really just impacted me for a few days after that. Can you tell us a little bit more about what your major passion, what your drive is now? Well, you know, one of the uh, agreements that we made before I would accept the award, uh, awards are not a part of my life, to tell you the truth, was that I would get uh, nine minutes. I took 21. <laughs> but I was given nine minutes after the award ceremony, which is a nice ceremony. You can see it intact for nothing at my website, drmcdougall.com. And uh, so they gave me time afterwards. And what I talked to them about was my new passion. It'll be the passion that I continue. I'm 72 years old now. I plan on continuing this for who knows? Yeah, who knows? Let's just say I'm fairly functional until I'm 85. Uh, I plan on doing this and pretty much nothing else. I'll be glad to share with you and the other doctors and any new doctors who are interested in what I've learned in medicine. But I really put it all on my website and it's all free. So, What I talked to the group about was I talked to them about the science. That was the, uh, the thing that I think most appealed to the members of the ACLM, was we were talking about science. And what I tried to explain to them was we have uh, changed our perspective on science a lot in the last 15 years. Actually, the first intergovernmental panel on climate change was held 30 years ago. People started getting really serious about the climate in 2006. So it's been about 14 years that people have been serious about it. And what I talked to the ACLM audience about was that then we were talking about a catastrophe happening in the 21st century. Well, this is the 21st century now. Anyways, after year uh, 2100, you know, it'd be 100 years from now, a century from now. That's when it was going to happen. Well, those estimates have gone down as we've realized this is not a uh, strictly uh, straight line progression uh, in terms of carbon accumulation and greenhouse gas accumulation. This is geometric. What happens is one decline adds to another, adds to another, and it propagates this to the fact that we're now in September of 2019, the Intergovernmental uh, Panel on Climate Change, they said we have 10 to 12 years left. Uh, Back in 2003-13, and I introduced this to you, and I hope some of you go to my website and take a look at this video. In 2013, I had uh, Dr. Robert Goodland uh, as a speaker, and you'll find that free, just look under videos, experts. And uh, Dr. Uh, Dr. Goodland, and it may be Mr. Goodland, regardless, he was head of the Environmental Division of the World Bank for 23 years of the World Bank. Anyway, uh, he uh, has spent his life studying climate change. 
He took the World Health Organization data, which was published in November 2006, a 407-page document from uh, the FAO, the World Health Organization, funded by the World Bank, in part. Uh, what they did is they said 18% of the greenhouse gases, global warming gases, are a direct result of the livestock industry. And that's compared to 13.5% related to the transportation industry. I mean, all airplanes, all trains, all boats, all cruise ships, et cetera. Well, I introduced the subject of climate change to the ACLM group with Al Gore's work because he's the one that really opened my eyes that we were in trouble. And I explained to them we were in Orlando, Florida. I said, you know, take a deep breath, guys, because when we get together next time here, you're going to be under 10 feet of water. And that's what Al Gore told us in 2006. Well, about the same time, uh, Robert Goodlin, who you're going to listen to, who's on my uh, website under videos, under information, education videos. Robert Goodlin told us in 2013 what big trouble we're in. He told us then we have maybe, maybe, maybe two or three years left to make changes that uh, keep us from going beyond tipping points that we can't reverse. And then he said also something I uh, was a little embarrassed by, but uh, have taken to heart. He says, you know, the one chance people have is the McDougal diet. And he really didn't mean that. I mean, he really meant the one chance people have, but he could have said the Pritikin diet. He could have said what Dennis Burkett tried to teach you or what Roy Swank wanted you to do, but carried a little further or what Walter Kempner tried to do and taught you, uh, you know, half a century ago. Well, anyway, uh, Robert Goodland, what he did is he, uh, after saying that, look, diet is the one card we have to play. We do. And I'll tell you why in just a minute. Uh, Robert Goodland uh, uh, said that in his reanalysis, he took the World Health Organization data. I mean, this is a really bright guy. He took the WHO data, the livestock law and shadow, and he looked at all the things they left off, like refrigeration, transportation, uh, the methane produced by cow burps, et cetera. And he, they, their group said conservatively, conservatively, 51% or greater of the greenhouse gases are directly caused by the livestock industry. Mm. So that has been reevaluated by a group called Climate Healers. And what they say is 87% is directly or indirectly tied to the agriculture industry. Wow. And beef or ruminant, uh, uh, ruminant animals are the biggest offenders, but farm fish is a big, big, big problem too. And even chickens and, and uh, pigs, uh, they have a huge environmental impact compared to say beans. In fact, there was an article published, uh, what would happen if you substitute beans for beef? Or, excuse me. Yeah, beans for beef. And they said that you'd make more impact on climate change than could ever be done. Uh, well, you have to read the article, but you would cut global warming half, like gases, I think, 25% just by that particular move. Anyway, um, so I explained that data to them. We also went over the Lancet Commission, which was published in January of 2019. This report said, this is the Lancet Commission, a 40-page report. This hit the world, the world audience of scientists, doctors. They said, look, if we're going to make it, we've got to change now. And we have to uh, envision a diet where people have meat maybe once a week. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, okay. The next part of the story is uh, 
can we do anything about this? Well, we're trying, you know, people are out there trying. I, I own an electric car. Uh, if um, I would have had the chance, I'd have put solar panels on my home in California, but unfortunately we had too many trees. But now that's not a problem because as most of you know, I lost my home and every one of my personal possessions in the October 2017 wildfires in California. This is real, folks. The planet Earth is on fire. Go to Australia. You can't, probably. They probably closed. No, I don't know if they closed the country or not. But it is burning up, period. I calculate one-tenth of, of this island continent is gone. You know, a billion animals, they say. Uh, this is the beginning of the fire season in Australia, not the end. Two weeks ago, we had a report on uh, 60 Minutes about how Venice floods now. In 1970, the person I traveled with to Europe said, you know, I want to see Venice because someday it's not going to exist. And I just laughed. Well, that someday is now. Ladies and gentlemen, work, wake up. This is an emergency. Uh, we're in huge trouble. But, but I think we can get out of it. And, and I'll tell you why. And these are ideas that I've been rummaging around in my head almost constantly ever since I've uh, discovered this myself in the year 2006. In fact, I wrote an article about uh, Livestock's Long Shadow, and I wrote about Al Gore's Inconvenient Truth. And I pointed out that Al Gore never mentioned, I mean, this is a big unmentionable diet is. Al Gore never mentioned uh, uh, food as a problem or a solution in his original uh, 2006 production, uh, live, uh, uh, An Inconvenient Truth, even in sequelae of 2017, he didn't mention diet. Why? Well, you know, he's a political animal. Let's face it. Uh, he also was a Black Angus farmer, and still has many friends who are Black Angus farmers, and Al Gore was a big man. Uh, let's just face it, he suffered he was an example of what the rich Western diet does to people. Fortunately, he changed to a vegan diet. And for a period of time, at least, he was looking pretty good. So he isn't talking about it. He's one of the main leaders in climate change worldwide. He's not talking about diet. Greta Thunberg, the 17-year-old girl who has really changed the world by standing up to leaders and saying, look, you're, you have destroyed our future. You're ruining everything. You've got to stop this now. She barely mentions diet. Uh, in your state, Jay Inslee, the Washington governor, he ran a Democratic campaign this past year on climate change as his sole goal. He didn't mention food. I will through his website. I didn't find anything about food. Okay. So I gave you the background. I gave you the Livestock's Long Shadow, which you're going to look up. I gave you the World Watch Institute, which you're going to look up. I gave you the Lancet Commission report, which you're going to look up. Okay, so you know we're in trouble. You know that, and you know, conservative estimates are 30 to 50 percent. I'm talking about conservative estimates, not by the groups that I just talked to you about, but by people that are talking mainstream. 30 to 50 percent of the problem is due to the livestock industry. All right, so let's just say that's the case. Now let's go into the solution. Uh, one of the things that I have learned. And you as a young doctor may have learned it too already. You're pretty young in your career, maybe not. Is uh, I have learned that the body 
as a natural, oh, you've learned this. I know every doctor has to. If you've been in an operating room, you have to, or an emergency room. The body has a natural tendency to heal itself. If you take and fall down and scrape your knee, you don't say, oh, I wonder if it's going to heal. It heals. You break your arm. Is it going to heal? Well, of course it does. You may need it straightened out, but it's going to heal. Uh, you know, the body has this natural tendency to heal. You just have to set up the environment so that it will do what it naturally does. Life sustains itself. It's up for survival at all levels, from the insect to the solar system. It, it, it is sustaining, life is. So uh, what you need to do is set up the environment, like for example, with the scrape on the knee, you wanna stop falling down. <laughs> Same thing with a broken bone. You know, you wanna stop doing these things and we are not stopping what is necessary to let the planet naturally heal. It heals. It heals by regrowing the forest. It heals by, by uh, reinvigorating our oceans. We have uh, gone to the point where we have uh, overfilled our, uh, our, what we call carbon sinks, the trees. I mean, we're burning down the forest in the Amazon. And good grief, the acres, the millions of acres of forest that got burned on around my house. 12 million acres of forest have already burned in Australia. That was the last report. You know, uh, if, we, if we do something about, from one end, reducing carbon in the atmosphere, methane, nitrous oxide, which has to do with a lot of things that other people are dealing with, like getting everybody an electric car or solar panels and all kinds of things that need to be done. Uh, they have to be done. Absolutely. But remember, you don't have, we don't have time. If, if the international or the intergovernmental panel on climate change is correct, even close, we've got 10 to 12 years, you're not going to put enough solar panels, get enough people driving electric cars in that amount of time. But what you can do is you can change your diet. And even though the economic elite are the ones who run the, uh, primarily run the climate damaging industries. And you feel helpless because of this. After all, these people own billion dollar investments in coal mines and, and oil investments, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And you feel so helpless, even if you understand, well, you can do the most important thing that can be done to save the world for our children and grandchildren. That is, you can personally change your diet. You will make an impact, not just because of what you put on your dinner plate. Uh, there was an estimate that uh, giving up beef is equivalent to not buying the biggest SUV on the highway. You know, so it's a big impact, even for the individual. But you tell your sister, you tell your friends, you tell your fellow employees, and so on. You know, the world's getting to know this. Uh, let's see, black whatever, black rock. BlackRock, the $7 trillion investment company, this year said we will no longer make any investments of our $7 trillion unless we seriously consider the environmental impact. Goldman Sachs won't invest anymore in coal and oil. Microsoft said it will be carbon neutral by 2030. It invests a billion dollars in the environment. But again, again, you know, they're just talking about the input side. What we've got to do is we've got to suck out the sickness. We've got to let the planet heal, and we can do that. 
Now, let me tell you some of the data. I don't have the papers right in front of me, but you can look them up. You, you know how to use the uh, National Library of Medicine. Uh, look up uh, climate change and uh, diet. And you'll find a study from the proceedings of the National Academy of Science that says that by changing from a good diet, better than what a typical Westerners eat, much better to a vegan diet will reduce the carbon load by 70%. Yeah, and then uh, PLOS came out and they said, uh, they, re they looked at the data and they said, look, considering transportation, refrigeration, et cetera, cutting down the forests, et cetera. They said, uh, you know, if we could get the planet to change to a no animal food diet, a diet based on starch, then we could reduce, reduce. Now remember, these are changes that potentially could occur overnight. We could reduce the uh, carbon emissions uh, by 80%. Hey humans, I know you want to eat healthier but feel strapped for time and even the thought of meal planning and cooking stresses you out. Well, have you considered trying a meal kit service? Green Chef is the number one meal kit for eating well, delivering pre-portioned and prepped quality whole foods with limited processed ingredients. Green Chef sends organic, fresh produce, and chef-designed recipes in every box for satisfying, nourishing, and convenient meals that make it easy to stick to a healthy living routine. Find recipes for every lifestyle, including plant-based diets. Green Chef delivers quality whole foods with limited processed ingredients, including low-added sugar and sodium smart options. You get to choose from 80-plus flavor-packed options that allow you to take back time in your kitchen with dinner ready in 30 minutes and lunch in 10. Try 15-plus new recipes every week. But here's the best part. Green Chef delivers everything you need to make convenient, wholesome, and delicious meals directly to your doorstep. Each meal kit includes pre-measured ingredients as well as some produce that comes already pre-chopped and custom sauces that are pre-made in-house. They also provide the recipe cards and the meals are really simple to make. It's a delicious, fresh, home-cooked meal without the hassle. What I love the most about Green Chef is that it takes the stress out of cooking. The recipes are easy to follow and everything you need is included. So even the less experienced cooks in your house can make a delicious home-cooked meal. It's perfect for those seasons in your life that you're really busy with your kids' sports and school events. Hello, spring, and time is limited, especially if you want fresh, home-cooked, healthy meals to put on the table. So if you're feeling frustrated by the lack of time to eat healthy and you are ready to try Green Chef and see how easily you can integrate it into your healthy lifestyle, go to greenchef.com forward slash I am human five zero and use code IAMHUMAN50 to get 50% off plus 20% off your next two months. That's greenchef.com forward slash IAMHUMAN50 and use the code IAMHUMAN50 to get 50% off plus 20% off your next two months. Green Chef, the number one meal kit for eating well. Equilibria is a woman-owned wellness brand with products intended to bring your mind and body back in harmony. They consider themselves a by women and for women company, and they now offer a nutrient-dense green powder called Daily Nutrigreens. 
Myself and my staff here at Nourish Wellness all tried the Daily Nutri-Greens and we loved it. The Daily Nutri-Greens contain an immune antioxidant and detox blend along with prebiotics, probiotics, and over 35 fruits and veggies. It also contains other important nutrients such as B12, iron, zinc, and selenium. The Daily Greens are certified organic and all you have to do is mix it with water, but you can also easily add to your smoothies, your oatmeal, or your baked goods. The Daily Nutri-Greens are vegan, gluten-free, and non-GMO. And another bonus is that the packaging is compostable. Yay! When I tried the Apple Banana Daily Nutri-Greens, I was surprised by the pleasant and mild flavor. It was easy to prepare and drink and didn't leave any aftertaste. And I felt great afterwards. It's really easy to create a daily ritual around your green drink, integrated into your daily self-care routine. A green powder is one way to fill the gap in daily nutrition and is an easy and convenient way to get in your greens. These powders are a great way to add more nutrients into your diet during busy times, travel, and transitions in life when you don't have time or access to fresh green veggies. If you're interested in trying Equilibria's daily Nutrigreens, head to myeq.com and use code Dr. Yami, that's D-R-Y-A-M-I, for 15% off Equilibria's daily Nutrigreens and much more. That's myeq.com and use code Dr. Yami, D-R-Y-A-M-I, at checkout for 15% off site-wide today. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. All right. So uh, the uh, Paris Climate Protocol says we've got to reduce the carbon emissions by 7.5% per year for the next 30 years to save ourselves. But right here, we've dropped the carbon emission by, you know, I told you half, half the carbon comes from the livestock industry. If you become vegan, you can drop that intake in half or 70% or 80%. So we're talking about a potential overnight change to meet the Paris Climate Change Protocol goals. And you could do that every year. I mean, this, you're not going to get everybody to change the first year. And this is something we can do cost-free. That's the problem. It's profit-free, too. <laughs> cost-free and, uh, well, all right. Let's go back to you personally. Uh, I don't mean you, my interviewer, but you as my audience. Uh, I, I'm sure, well, I hope you're past being the climate change is a hoax. I hope you're not a, a climate denier. I was on Coast to Coast AM radio last night, and I uh, was amazed at how many climate deniers called up and not just challenged me, they told me I was basically, well, basically wrong, if not uh, mentally ill. <laughs> you know, uh, they're out there still. I have to say it. There are climate deniers out there, and they will deny it until their homes flood or their houses burn down or they have no other choice because people don't want to change. Now, those of us who know that that we are in big trouble, and those of us who know what we have to do, you know, buy an electric car, get solar panels up, and fix our food, the problem there is you know, but you don't know enough to take action. Mm-hmm. And that's what I talk to the people about at ACLM. I know you know. 
I, I know you folks, I mean, there's 3,500 members of ACLM. I know, because we all practice similarly. I know you know the importance of diet, but you, most of you don't know it enough to act. That's the problem. So I uh, didn't have a chance to talk to them about the practicality of this, but I did on the Coast to Coast show last night. The practicality can be seen by an example that uh, comes out of World War I. And uh, this is a really important story, and I wrote about it in my newsletters on my website, so you can read it. Uh, what happened during World War I is Britain set up a blockade, a severe blockade in the North Sea. Well, Denmark was affected. Of course, their intention was to starve the Germans out. And the people in Denmark were, of course, affected by this blockade severely between 1914 and 1918, particularly 1917 to 1918. Well, they happened to have a really smart doctor by the name of Mikhail Hinhidi. Uh, he was a nutritionist. He had challenged uh, Carl Voigt's recommendations for high-protein diets. There were recommendations back then that, you, that essentially said you couldn't live without eating meat or wouldn't have any muscle if you didn't eat muscle. And uh, he challenged it along with Chittenden and several other contemporaries of those times. And he uh, said, you know, knowledgeable people realize that the requirement for protein in the human being is so low that that low level is not attainable by any diet. He knew that back in the, 18, in the 1800s. So anyway, uh, he had a big influence on the Danish government. And what he said to the Danes, three million, three million Danes, he said, look, we're in big trouble. What we have to do is we have to change our diet. And of course, you know, he was oriented in the way that you and I are starch-based eating, vegan, vegetarian, et cetera. And uh, he said that uh, the country will change. And what they did is they killed 80% of the pigs. Uh, they kept some of the cows around to produce dairy, but uh, it was limited. The pig farmers, maybe they got some pork once in a while. Otherwise, the people, the three million people that lived in Denmark, they didn't eat much but what the animals were previously eating, potatoes and soybeans and so on. That was their diet. And you know what Hinhidi said and what they experienced is that no one was hungry during the whole four years. And something happened in Denmark that has not happened since. In that period of time, the most severe food restriction. They were not hungry. At that time, 400,000 Germans died of malnutrition because they kept believing in the need for eating animal foods. During that time, uh, Hinhidi's group people, the people of Denmark, dropped their overall death rate by 34%, which is the greatest reduction they have ever seen pre or post World War I. So not only did the people get healthier, but they weren't hungry and they didn't realize it, but the planet was getting healthier. And I realized back then, what do we have? Do we have a telephone back then? Barely. We had, to, I mean, what was our communication skills? Hardly at all. You know, a uh, bi-wing airplane was barely getting off the ground back then, 1914 to 1918. If, you know, if the right brothers, when did they fly? Well, it doesn't matter. You get the point. Today, today, every youth worldwide has got a communication device right in their hand. We can talk to them. We can tell them what the Danes did. We can tell them with our computers, with our devices, with our Twitters, with our 
Instagram, et cetera. We can tell them, look, you are in control and this must go from the bottom up. The elite will never change. They have too much vested interest. So if you want to save your children and grandchildren, you will make the change. And you know, I would go so far as to say what Greta Thunberg is doing is so right. And for anybody to pick on our children like her, to save our children like she's trying, is a real, real, well, you fill in the blank. <laughs> um, anyway, you should be out in the street protesting. You know, I, I went through the Vietnam War. I was out in the street burning my draft card. Okay, why aren't you in the street? This is much more important. All right, how about this? Just said this last night on the Coast to Coast show. How about this? How about if we just simply, a simple thing for all teenagers to do, just ban all fast food, fast food. Big deal. Just ban all, just don't, just close the fast food restaurants down. See if they'll listen to you then. I bet they will. Well, anyway, I ended the conference at ACLM the night you were there, and thank you for the invitation. I have to tell you, even though I poured my heart out and I put a lot of work into this presentation, uh, I didn't get much response, hardly at all. And um, I, th I think either it was so new to people or they were so overwhelmed, they felt so paralyzed that they couldn't act. But I ended the conference by saying, look, if ACLM doesn't do this, who will? I mean, after all, this is an organization of 3,500 medical doctors and paramedical people, dietitians, et cetera. Uh, 3,500 people who know about a healthy diet, a starch-based diet with fruits and vegetables. Who else is going to act? You see, ACLM had told me when I asked them what they've accomplished since I left in 2004, uh, I asked them, what have you accomplished? And they said, well, we've gained 3,500 members. But I said, what have you done? I mean, what, what have you done? What laws have you changed? What, 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 how is the planet different? Well, they have built an army. And what I said at the end of the presentation is thank you for building this army. Now it's time to act. You folks do not know how to build Teslas. And you do not know how to install uh, solar panels on rooftops. But you do know about food. Yeah. And, and a doctor came up to me afterwards. I don't know whether this went over on the mic or not. But he said to me, he said, what's the use of being a well-educated doctor knowing the truth about medicine and living on a dead planet? So anyway, let's put our priorities straight. I'm not here to win a popularity contest. Uh, I have a goal, and that is that someday my children look back and not say, Grandpa, why didn't you try harder? So here I am, and you have given me this opportunity to try harder. Well, thank you so much. And Dr. McDougall, I mean, it seems so simple, right? What you're saying is if we change our diets, if we eat a diet of plants, and the way, that, the way that you say it is a starch-based diet, so yes. corn, potatoes, rice, all the filling foods, like you were saying in Denmark, they weren't going hungry. They weren't calorie-deprived. They just weren't eating animal products. So it seems simple, right? Why do we make it so complicated? Why is it so difficult for, for people to change their diet in that way? Well, you know, this would be uh, similar to the question people have been asking me for 40 years about their personal health. It's so obvious. 
that eating meat and cheese and the rest of the junk food American diet caused you to be fat, which, excuse me for using the word, but 80% of Americans are, and you know, close to 40% are becoming obese. Uh, <clears throat> where were we going here with that one? Why is it so difficult for people to make the oh, change? Now, why is it difficult for people to change? Well, first of all, they don't know. You know, we have been so inundated by industry, not only with false messages like uh, where are you going to get your protein. Remember, Hindi knew that the need of protein for human beings was so low, it was unattainable. Mm-hmm. The low level, the inadequacy is unattainable. And, you know, that's what my research has shown, too. You can't design a diet that's deficient in amino acids or uh, total protein if you provide sufficient calories. Mm-hmm. So people are given misinformation. If you walk into the store, what do you see on the label? Protein. We have 35 extra grams of protein. Well, protein will damage your bones, hurt your kidneys. You know, it is a very, very toxic substance. And uh, there's never been a case of protein deficiency ever reported. Uh, there are, people are also taught starches are fat, even though if you look out throughout history, even in the world today where there are still starch eaters left, like in Asia, there are no fat people. Nobody's overweight. Only when they change to the diet of kings and queens, to aristocrats, did they become overweight. Mm-hmm. And people really bought into that diet of meat and dairy and desserts. Yeah, they did. I can understand the desserts because people naturally like sugar. But I don't understand the meat and dairy. Because you could only get people to eat meat and dairy if they adulterate it with salt or sauces. I mean, I challenge people all the time. You know, you like chicken? All right, I'll give you a chicken. Eat it. <laughs> Got feathers on it. All right, I'll take off the feathers. I'll eat it. Well, it's not cooked. All right, I'll boil it. I'll eat it. Well, it tastes terrible. <laughs> I'll put some steak sauce on it or barbecue sauce. Then I'll eat it. So we have a couple of dangerous distractions going on. Uh, one is the gluten-free movement. Now, yes, people do have celiac disease, and they need to be treated. 100 people in Western societies, maybe one in 250 people. But 40% of the goods in the store are sold as gluten-free packaged goods. So we're focusing our attention on gluten-free, inappropriate. And it hurts people who are really do have celiac disease, too, because nobody takes them serious. Uh, the other thing is we're focused on GMOs, Frankenstein food, Monsanto. They should be scolded for doing this. But, but the issue is I've never seen a case of GMO disease. No such thing. Well, you know, maybe it sounds weird and strange and you shouldn't do it and it does to me, but hey, it's not relevant. It's a dangerous distraction. Yet you go into the store, what? GMO free, GMO free, GMO free. Ah. Big deal. The planet is burning in hell where you're focusing on gluten and GMOs. And you should not be buying the livestock, but nobody will talk about that. I gave you the data. Remember, go and look up Livestock's Long Shadow. Look at the World Watch Institute. Look at the Lansing Commission report. And you'll find many other reports after you do that search. And then look at the PLOS, PLOS article that was published in 2016, and the, it's PLOS 1. And the Proceedings of the National Academy of Science article was also published in 2016. And there are several others that show that a change to a vegan diet. Now, I'm not talking about from the typical junky Western diet. I'm talking about a, about a well-planned, 
uh, health-promoting Western diet to a vegan diet, 70 80% reduction is possible in global warming gases. And again, the potential is overnight. I'm not kidding myself. I don't think it will happen overnight. But what are you going to do with all the dead cows? There are 1.5 billion dead alive cows on the planet today. And I'll tell you something else. We got another problem. People have stored a tremendous amount of carbon. Think about it. 40, 50 pounds, 60 pounds of carbon. What is adipose tissue? It's changed of carbon. Hmm. So when people lose that weight, that carbon's got to go someplace. You know, carbon's an element. It neither is created or destroyed. It has to go someplace. Oh, that's mind-blowing. <laughs> I didn't even think okay, about that. Let me, let me blow your mind again. Is we have to change the diet first. We can't, we cannot stop the pollution. Uh, even if we could, let's just say we could turn off all gas, all coal, et cetera. That would be a disaster. The planet would be dead in a year. And the reason is this, is there's a cooling effect that occurs as a consequence of burning fossil fuels. There are particulate matters that reflect sunlight, which cools the planet by about one degree. Uh, those particulate particles, you know, those particles up there that are reflecting sunlight, they will fall to the earth within days to weeks and certainly months. So you have just warmed the planet another degree. We're already at one and a half degrees above what we were 150 years ago. We are told that at two degrees above uh, our usual temperature, two degrees centigrade, what happens is we are no longer able to live on planet earth, nor is anything else. So remember, you have to deal with the food first. We have to take and dramatically reduce the amount of carbon and the destruction of the planet and put it in a condition where, it's, where it can heal, where it has the raw materials to heal, just like your patients do. This is life. I have to assume it extends throughout the universe. I don't even have to introduce religion into this talk. This is the way life is. It heals naturally. So we have to recreate an environment that's sustainable enough for our planet to heal. Mm -hmm. so that well, it's not your life yet, but soon you will have children, hopefully. <laughs> I already have two. Do you really? <laughs> My um, oldest is about to be 15. Wow. I'll tell you, the healthy diet is really showing on you. <laughs> uh, well, you get my point. I mean, this should be, you should be absolutely in panic. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you're not, I would encourage you to become panic. <laughs> and I don't mean you have to act boisterously like I do. <clears throat> I don't think you have to be outspoken and put yourself in a, a position of ridicule like I do. Uh, you can communicate this positive message in many ways, like your personal appearance. I mean, you really look healthy. Uh, that, that conveys a message to your patients, which, by the way, the patients have to see doctors who typify the American diet in their own personal appearance, mostly. Mm -hmm. I, I go to medical or dental offices, and uh, what I see is a good 80% of the physicians and nurses and ancillary staff in the office are not just overweight, but obese here in Portland. I mean, we're dealing, of course, with a, a higher social economic group. You know, expect more obesity because they eat more rich food. Now, Portland's supposed to be an area of uh, 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 liberal-minded, well-thinking people. But <clears throat> they may be vegetarian. They may be vegan. But they certainly don't have the part about low-fat down. 
<laughs> the fat you eat is the fat you wear. Anyway, well, what uh, would you some, say some to are writers? Some are, some know the internet. You know, you've got skills. Get out there and use them. Yeah, and that was going to be one of my questions too. But before we get to that, you know. Your diet has been criticized and you're definitely right that you are outspoken. And I love that about you, that you say what you're thinking and you get it out there. And that's one of the things I love about your personality. 40 years. (laughs) So what would you say to people that are concerned about changing to a starch-based diet, that they're going to develop deficiencies and that their health is going to become worse because of it? Because that's one of the main things you may see when you're on the internet looking at the starch-based diet, the McDougal diet, that there's other healthcare professionals that say, you know what, that's dangerous, especially for children that can turn you into a deficient human. You're going to develop all kinds of vitamin deficiencies. What do you say to that? Well, first of all, maybe I would start with you as a pediatrician and a parent. What do you see based on the recommendations? what What is the health of your patients? They're constipated. They have acne. They have oily skin, they're fatigued, they're couch potatoes because they're so sick from the diet, they can't get up and move. You know, what do you see? So what's going on now absolutely can be improved upon. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you have to start reading the science and you realize that, uh, as I told you, 99% of the people that ever walked the surf have lived on diets based on starch. And many of these people didn't have any animal products at all. Now, you know, for periods of time, of course, we were offered op- opportunistic, mm-hmm. and we would eat basically anything, insects, animals, fellow human beings, children. I mean, there's no limit to what we would eat. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. <clears throat> yeah, no, and, and I have the luxury of having a practice where I attract people who are very interested in improving their health. So I have a very large proportion of families that are predominantly plant-based or fully plant-based. And I have zero concerns. The children grow well, they're very healthy, they're very happy, active, and they're just vibrant. There's just no other way to describe it except for vibrant, joyful, happy children. And that's the way I like it. That's the way I want my pediatric practice to look is full of happy children that are healthy. So And then you started a little bit talking about how us young physicians, young health professionals, what can we do to accelerate this movement? What tips do you have for us? How can we communicate this? What can we do to help improve not just the health of humans, but the health of our planet? Well, you know, you have to do individual actions. Uh, You could join groups. There are... uh, climate extinction, people, <laughs> extinction groups that are preparing for the extinction of the planet. I won't join those. Uh, there's an organization called Climate Healers. I would strongly encourage you to look into them. Uh, so, you know, there are some activities you can do as professionals. I would talk to every one of your patients. I know it's going to take some extra time. I would have a list of websites for them to go to. Let me tell you, as a practitioner, I wrote an article on how to change from the standard Western diet a seven-minute office visit to a practice that is not only sustainable, but will make you as much money as a bypass surgeon. And that's described in one of my newsletter, how you go about doing it. And my son is a professor of medicine at OHSU, and I work with a lot of doctors, and anybody can do this who wants to. What you need to do is you need to continue your similar practice in your office. 
you do a seven-minute office visit. In this case, what you're doing is taking people off blood pressure pills and diabetic pills, et cetera, and encourage them, monitor them, et cetera. And you do that in seven minutes. And then you get together with them in the evening or on a weekend, and you have group education. People learn better in a group. You have cooking instructors that come in, you show videos that you've made or I've made or other doctors have made, and you give them the education as a group. And then you just practice like a regular doctor does. You can charge for these group practices if you want, these group meetings, but there's no reason you ought to starve for doing the right thing. Uh, that, then again, there are doctors out there with even uh, more unique skills. Uh, you could be writing editorials in the New England Journal of Medicine. You know, it, I think the world is ready to listen. I really do. I, I, I do think things are, I remember I've been thinking about pretty much this as a main topic in my mind, which is very cluttered, by the way, with all kinds of thoughts. But I've uh, made a huge amount of space in my mind for the last 14 years about this climate issue and the uh, potency of a good diet in mitigating this for our children, yeah. for our grandchildren. So I would encourage you, if you are a writer, write, a, write an article. If you're a researcher, do a research paper. If you're a musician, play a song about it. <laughs> Whatever. Whatever your talent is. But don't back down. This is one of the things I, I told a, a person very close to me recently who I know has great integrity, happens to be a doctor. As I said, look, you know, I may not live long enough to see the challenges that will come your way, but hopefully uh, you'll never back down. I have a set of beliefs, and I have to say I've never backed down. Now, I hope I've uh, let myself open to changing my beliefs based on science. Uh, based on what I've learned, and I think I have. But the truth's the truth, and you know, I'm not going to say anything else but the truth. Yeah. Regardless of how much money it costs you, regardless of how much you don't want to hear it, regardless of, it's too important. And you've said several times that even though we're in the middle of this crisis and things are looking pretty bleak, you haven't lost hope. No, not at all. I mean, the potential is huge. It would be similar, and again, I don't know the extent of your experiences as a doctor and a pediatrician, but uh, as an adult care doctor and internal medicine specialist, and I've seen people who have been given up on in terms of uh, uh, plugged arteries, in terms of obesity, in terms of breast cancer. People that, you know, my colleagues said, don't bother. It's too far gone. You're past the point of no return. That's what many people are saying now about the planet. Too late. Eat, drink, and be merry. Do whatever you want. We've already blown up our carbon reserve. We're never going to get back. I don't believe that. I believe that the potential here is huge. And I also believe that people are going to come around to my way of thinking, mm -hmm. hopefully by choice. I mean, you could come to our clinic in Santa Rosa, California, and we would show you what you eat in the post a couple, well, post, you know what? Uh, <laughs> Obviously, this has gone on long enough. Uh, <laughs> you, you can uh, see what people eat in the uh, um, post apocalypse. <laughs> post apocalypse. Thank you very much. Uh, if they make a choice now, now, 
when we can heal the planet. If you wait till later when all the food's gone and it's gonna be gone, you'll be lucky if you get to eat as well as the people under the care of Mikhail Hennedy in Denmark during World War I. You'll be lucky. So you're gonna change. Question is, are you gonna control the change? We're confronted with some new problems, but we have the capacity as human beings to develop new solutions. And we can do that, but we can't be unpractical. We can't do things like, you know, believe what we're gonna do is send up satellites that are gonna reflect the sunlight. But why don't we paint all of our roofs white? A lot cheaper, more effective. Uh, We think that uh, somebody's gonna invent some fancy machine that is gonna outdo trees in terms of sequestering carbon out of the atmosphere. You know, that's as silly as believing that aliens are gonna come down and save us from some planet in the distant universe. Ridiculous. So we can do it. We just need to change our diets, have no fear, and move forward. If you look at the, when I first started talking about this 14 years ago, when Hanson, James Hanson, as far as started talking about this 30 years ago, this is a tiny problem. This could be solved. I, a guy named Thomas Friedman told me in a book he wrote about our dying planet. He's an editor, writer. And uh, Thomas Friedman said that it would cost as much as it costs to, uh, to develop the atomic bomb, Manhattan Project, to solve climate change. That was in 2008. Now they're talking about to solve climate change, it'll cost as much as the Marshall Plan, which was post-World War II recovery of Europe, which is, uh, well, about $100 billion. Well, you know, Bill Gates has got that money. He could, he could buy both those plans. Actually, the truth is it's gonna cost a lot of money. But in the end, we'll have a plan. In the end, we will be able to still do business. And if we don't correct this, if we didn't get a hold of the elite, the climate deniers, the people that are destroying our world, they can't do this. No, wow. Mm. Let me end with one statistic just to ruin your whole day. Oh, no. <laughs> <clears throat> last week, <clears throat> last week, what they reported. Uh, from the National Oceanic Association. What they reported was that uh, over the last 25 years, the uh, amount of energy that has been added to our planet, to the oceans of our planet, just the oceans over the last 25 years is equivalent to having five Hiroshima-sized atomic bombs going off every second, every second. So you see, we're getting so far behind in the curve. That's the problem. And I I left you with some optimistic thoughts. Uh, Now I've known about how to cure 80% of the problems people have for, and and you know what I'm saying is true, uh, for over 40 years. And I used to think people, when I started practicing in Kailo, Hawaii, They'd be lining outside my door all the way to the Honolulu International Airport to get in to see me. They've never shown up. What I worry is that people are going to take the same attitude about about the bigger problem. I mean, the problem we're really facing today, we're not talking about 
you die in a breast cancer, heart disease, or diabetes, the world can live with that. But we can't live with a planet that's dead. Mm-hmm. And are, are we going to act the same way that we have acted about the knowledge that Walter Kemper, Nathan Pritikin, Dennis Burkett, and Roy Swain brought to us many years ago when I was a young student? Are we going to ignore the information that I've tried to bring to you? And so is Dr. Ornish and <clears throat> George Guthrie and you know many of other what they call the the elderly, <laughs> the uh, the old knowledge. Uh, you know what? We've learned a lot in the last half century. You ought to pay attention. Oh, Dr. McDougall, this has been so great. Thank you so much for your time. You have such an important message, and it all goes together so well. All of the experience you've had helping people, that same type of diet is a type of diet that can save our planet. So that's super important. And I'll do whatever I can to get the message across. And I am so grateful for you and your dedication, your tirelessness, and your selflessness in helping people and helping the world save the planet. Thank you so much. Well, I, you know, I, I, I can do no less because uh, I had a great life, amazing life. Uh, up until the forest fires, the wildfires of 2017, I'd have to say I had a blessed life. Uh, <clears throat> But unfortunately, uh, the facts are you only get to live so long. And uh, I can't think of anything more important than uh, dedicating the rest of my years to trying to get this planet moving in the right direction. So that's what I'll be doing. Awesome. You may look at me and you can say, hey, he's old. Maybe he's going senile. That's been claimed. He had a stroke when he was 18. Maybe that's why he acts the way he does. I don't care. I've been acting this way for 50 years. I've been living <laughs> around for 50 years too. You can come to any conclusion you want, but just listen to me. Don't ignore me. That's the problem is they won't give me a platform. And that's how this whole thing is being dealt with. All the political issues are being dealt with that way. And this is a political issue. Absolutely. This is an economic issue. It's dealt by ignoring it and hoping that people will just forget it and not act. You see it all around you in every aspect of your life. But, you know, we can survive a, uh, a few bad governments. Let's just put it that way. Mm-hmm. We can't survive a dead planet. Amen to that. Well, thank you, Dr. McDougall, and I hope that you have a plantastic day, and I hope to see you soon in Portland. Be awesome. All right. Well, you know, uh, we're doing a uh, climate change uh, conference with uh, the, the, the head of uh, Climate Healers, and I want you to go to that website. Okay, I will. It's I'll put it in the show notes as well. Alicia Rowe, the guy is just brilliant. And we're doing a conference on the 25th of April, which I think is Earth Day. Okay. And we're going to do that in Portland. And hopefully we'll have the opportunity to talk to people through audiences like you before did me and uh, try and spread the message. And, uh, you know, not to minimize the importance of getting your own health back, because that'll make you a better fighter mm-hmm. for the future. Absolutely. But uh, in addition, add to that bucket list. Well, I'm going to also do my part in saving the planet. Yes. Not just myself, 
you know, once I get my health back, it's going to be really easy. Once I understand that mashed potatoes are much tastier than a dead chicken. <laughs> oh, we have such a long way to go, but yeah, let's go out and let's go out and do it. Awesome. Thank you so much. And I just want you to know, I do believe, and here, look me in the eyes. I do believe it's not too late, but every, every second, which is five Hiroshima sized bombs hitting the ocean, just the ocean, not the landmass. Every second, in the last 25 years, we have to act now. Yeah. now. We're going to reach a point where there is no return. There are no carbon reserves. We're going to raise uh, the temperature above what scientists says is compatible with life. Everything's going to be dead. But we don't have to have that happen. But you got to get out and act now. You can't wait. This is not a problem that's going to happen in the 21st century. The 22nd century. Uh, excuse the confusion. Anyway, after 2100, 100 years from now, it's not going to happen in 100 years from now. It's happening now. The planet is on fire. Act. Thank you. Thank you Thanks so much. <laughs> it was a pleasure. I hope that you enjoyed today's episode. Thank you for tuning in, and I look forward to having you back again next week. A very special thank you to the band Rocket Surgeons for permission to use the broccoli song. To find out more about the Rocket Surgeons, please visit their website at rocketsurgeonsband.com or Facebook at Rocket Surgeons Music. Please subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Also, all of my social media links can be found in the podcast description. Send me a message and let me know what you think of today's podcast. Sharing is caring. Please share, rate, and review my podcast and drop me a line if you have ideas for future episodes. Thank you once again and have a plantastic day. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.